0: hello everybody and welcome to the html all the things podcast episode 21 the hustle i'm your host matt lawrence and i'm joined again by my co-host mike Karan. what have you been up to this week mike yeah hi matt
1: uh so this week was kind of a maintenance a little bit of a wind down week for html All the things um i'm getting back into more client work so i'm kind of ramping that back up slowly. Uh actually some some work with the czar who was on the podcast a few a few episodes ago. Um so that's that's kind of picking up right now and I'm trying to get everything ready because we're gonna have I think like three or four projects together on the go at the same time. So I'm trying to make sure that I'm able to manage all those. Uh you know, context switching between them without a problem and like So I'm trying to familiarize myself again with some of the older projects that I've been working on and then make sure that I'm ready for the newer ones that I'm about to take on. Uh, HTML, the things wise, I'm also working on some potential content pieces, but uh, I think Matt will mention soon what we have in store for the future. So I'm going to pass it off to you, Matt. Uh, What what have you been up to?
0: Yeah. So um, just, I guess, kind of same thing. So we were messing around with a few, like tweaking the website a bit, like HTML, all the things.com dot com. And we found a couple areas that need to be improved. Um, of course, we also had other we also have other plans, which we've had since the beginning uh, for a bit of like UX, UI things to do. Uh, but we found like a few issues here and there, a couple missing buttons and that. So we were going over that earlier this week. And then uh, now or as of now, I guess I should say, uh, we just had a conversation earlier today uh, as of recording this. And we were discussing sort of like larger projects, and one of the things that we did, that I mentioned was that whenever i whenever I come up with project ideas, I always kind of I tailor the ideas like right in the actual like thinking process before anything's even done on paper because I always think to myself that we don't have uh the income or like the money that's just like sitting on the table ready for a massive project and when I say big project, like Mike and I have ideas for like things like real estate and everything. So it's like, they're big projects. It's not like, you know, oh, I need a new computer. Like it's a big project Uh, and projects. So multiple, like plural. So one of the things that we kind of determined after we talked back and forth for about an hour was that Mike and I aren't the greatest risk takers. So it's one of the things where, um, I think we, I think we sort of attributed that to we, like Mike and I both have never really been in debt. Uh, So we had the luxury of having like, funds ready for our post-secondary, uh, that was put, put aside by our parents, which is great. Obviously you don't want debt. Debt is something that you don't want looming over you. But because of that, we like, because of that, we've kind of like, we always shy away from it. And so every single time we look at something big, like a real estate project, or even just a really big app project or whatever, it's like immediately like, Oh, we don't have those resources on hand. How am I supposed to pay for this? So it's a very, um, closed minded way of thinking about it. So, and, and so essentially what we've boiled it down to is that we, we're, uh, I think Mike said risk adverse, if I'm saying that correctly, I kept messing it up in the meeting too. But anyway, so we like, we try to stay away from risk. So one of the things that I had been thinking of is, is an app idea and I'm not going to divulge too much because, uh, and you'll, you'll hear why in a minute, but I had this app idea for a while and it is just like a simple app, but I said like, we've been putting this off for so long and Mike and I's goal overall has been to get some passive income going because we want something to work on while our client work slows down and maybe even take over the client work someday. And one of the, and so like HTML, all the things is one of those things that we're working on, but there's like a lot of little things that we could be doing, like little apps, little projects that we just like said, like, oh, you know, three of the four, three of the four ideal uh, situations lined up, but the fourth one didn't, there's a little bit of risk there. And we would just kind of like talk about the risk and leave it. So that's kind of one of our, I guess, our weak points. So to kind of sum all this up, because I'm rambling a bit at this point, what we've come up with is we have, um, some sort of code challenge that we're going to try to kind of involve the community with. And we're going to kind of announce that next week. Cause it's, it's a part of, it, it, it's going to contain pieces of project planning. It's going to in, in, contain a little bit of like social media fun. Like we're going to do a little bit of a social media thing with it. And it's going to include us. Uh, making something and it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm trying, I'm intention I'm intentionally being, uh, like, I'm not saying too many details because I want it to sort of be like, I want us to hash it all out and get it all together and then actually like say it right next week or whenever we do it. I, I think our current plan is next week, but again, like it's near Christmas time. So, We'll see, like as always. Um, But it's something that we think is going to sort of push us into taking more risk, which I believe is what we need to do in order to become less risk adverse. Hopefully I'm saying that correctly. And it will allow us to actually hopefully put something on the market and then kind of take you guys along the journey, get a couple of podcast episodes in about it or at least a couple of conversations and maybe some written material and stuff like that. So it's it's it should be exciting. It's going to be some sort of like coding challenge thing that we're going to be doing. And more details to come hopefully next week. So I hope you guys uh, enjoy that. And hopefully you uh, kind of got through this rambling section that I'm going on about here. But uh, now that we've gotten through that, I think what we'll do is we'll kind of dive into the episode here. As always, we'll go through our segments. So segment number one is uh, freelancing online. Segment number two is our experiencing with freelancer online services or maybe online freelancer services. I'm not sure which sounds better, but whichever. And segment number three, creating projects. And then as well, always our web news recurring segment, updates versus stability. So I'm going to just do like a bit of an introduction here. So from Google, this is the definition from Google, um, hustle as a verb in the informal North American sense is defined as, quote, obtained by forceful action or persuasion. And the example that they give there is, again, quote, the brothers headed to New York to try and hustle a new record or to try and hustle a record deal. So hustling is a word that comes up a lot in the entrepreneurial world. And it loosely sort of defines the actions an entrepreneur takes to make money, become successful and or gain power. So the way that we kind of think of it is, is like a unique formula that a person or a business takes when they're running a, their business, either whether it be a segment of their business or whether it's a freelancer that has a specific formula to drum up business, like they're doing the hustle, they're playing the market, they're getting it done kind of thing. So now that that's kind of a side, I'm, I'm going to jump right into this first segment here. So segment number one, freelancing online. So there's lots of developers, writers, virtual assistants, and more that work uh, freelance online. They're all just freelancers. They're all just people that are, you know, typically in a home office, maybe a co-working space. And they, they just, they do work hourly or however they do it. Um, but they work for, they work, it's generally service work is what we will, what we would call our service work. So as a small business, uh, we have experience getting work from freelancing websites and other site resources. However, um, please note that we mo we work most almost exclusively in the web development slash design segment of the business. So your mileage may vary if you're in a different field like that virtual assistant or other fields that I mentioned, or there's tons of other fields that do freelance. So we're talking from our experience from a web development slash design standpoint. So just I just want to do a little brief disclaimer there. So there's lots of different websites and services that are set up for freelancers and their customers and most of them are basically job boards with full service solutions that contain various features such as a portfolio page, a job board, payment systems and premium services. So I'll kind of go over each one of those. So starting off with the portfolio page, you can kind of like set up a portfolio containing things like maybe your pricing per service. You can have a little showcase like that shows off all your projects with some pictures and descriptions, your history on the site. So for example, if maybe you took a couple of, you you know, you had a couple of successful, successful jobs on that website, uh, maybe you have like a rating that your customers left for you. So like a star rating or something like that, sort of like how eBay has like the, you know, positive or negative feedback for a buyer or a seller, something like that, right? Like a rating system so that people know like, hey, this guy's worked on the site. And hey, this guy got like good reviews from, you know, the two guys that he worked with, or whatever. Um, You can also list things like your skills, and there's a lot more. So some of these, some of these portfolio pages are more in depth than others. And it's more or less a place where sort of like how on Instagram, when you look at a picture, and if you're interested in that type of thing, you might click on the person's profile, you know, check what else they posted, read their description, maybe click on their website, et cetera. So it's kind of that, except there's a little bit more in depth because we're talking about somebody potentially hiring you right then and there. Um, so, talking about hiring, move on to the next part there, which is job board. So, a job board, as we know, is a list of jobs and it's typically posted by potential customers in this case. So, this job board uh, generally has a bunch of topics ranging from app development to content writing. Like I said, there's a whole bunch of different jobs you could be doing in the freelance field. And as a result, there's a whole bunch of different, uh whole bunch of different topics these jobs can do. Some of them are even a combination of them. And uh, customers can also post other details. So sometimes they'll post like something like their budget. Uh, maybe they'll, maybe they'll like inside of their profile or on their post, it'll, it'll disclose, you know, how much they've spent online with other freelancers. And that's to sort of judge... You know, for as a freelancer, you can judge how serious a customer is when they post something. Are they a new customer? Are they, you know, a trusted customer on this? Um, and uh, customers also have like a profile generally. So they'll, you know, this, this proves like how quote unquote legitimate they are. Um, and sometimes they'll, it'll actually show off what projects they've had commissioned. So that as a freelancer, you can go to a customer that you may want to, you know, uh, bid on their job that they have posted. And you can say like, oh, they expect this type of work. And you kind of get like you know you kind of get to know the customer before talking to them directly, um, and then of course payment systems. So a lot of these sites will have some sort of payment system in place that helps customers pay the freelancers, and in terms, and in turn, it helps the freelancers actually get paid on time. And and we've seen ones where it'll be, it'll be like an actual system of like milestones. So it'll say. Like, it'll say like, okay, like I want, like when I hit this milestone, when the customer confirms I've hit, you know, milestone one, I want 200 bucks. And then milestone two is another 200 or whatever. So there's, and again, all of these features are kind of like, they vary per site, but we've seen stuff like this, you know, sometimes it's just a one-to-one. Sometimes it's just, you know, a help through the PayPal. Sometimes it's, it's nothing. Uh, but like generally there's usually some sort of payment system that, 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 that is in on these sites. And then, as well, um, of course, premium services. So, oftentimes, these websites are free to use, and uh, but they have, of course, premium features that are for sale for customers and or freelancers. So, some of these premium features would include bidding for jobs. So, um, a customer, a potential customer, posts a job. You have to, you know, bid on it, and you have to like write a proposal sometimes, or. You know, just maybe it really depends per site. And you'll have limited of those, so like limited bids for free, and then you like freelancers can purchase more. Sometimes a customer themselves could use a premium feature such as featuring their job at the top of some sort of search results, especially if they're in a hurry. Um that that type of thing. So there's those premium services, of course, so that people can or so that the freelancer like hosts, like the freelancer website hosts can actually, you know, make some money themselves, of course, because they are providing quite a valuable service. And to get more specific, the services we've used include things like Guru.com, Freelancer.com, Craigslist, and Kijiji. So I'm going to move on to segment number two, unless Mike has anything else to say about that.
1: Uh, yeah, sure. I'll add a couple things, actually. Um, I just want to add that uh, there's just other ways to do the hustle and to get freelancer work. Uh, one of the ways that kind of popped into my head was uh, you know, going to meetups and getting your name out there. Um, Maybe doing some like on the ground hustle, like going to local businesses, trying to, you know, generate some conversation with local businesses, trying to get in the door and trying to get kind of like uh, you know, try to try to get in front of their the the person that's making the decisions and maybe offer your services to them as a freelancer for maybe making a website or maybe as an actual developer, depending on the business that you're talking about. Um I think th- those are the kinds of things like I, I want to mention, but, uh, it's something that we're kind of weak with. So uh, I think we were talking about this earlier in the day. I think the hustle is maybe one of our weakest points in our whole process. Uh, and that's partly due to, uh, just being kind of lucky in how we landed our clients and not like we, we did the hustle, but it wasn't as intense or, you know, we didn't. Put as much effort into the hustle to land those clients, and maybe that gave us a false sense of security. And then the other thing is the risk aversion; uh, we have that. And like Matt was mentioning, uh, that might also be a factor in that. Like where we need to improve in our hustle techniques. Um, so I just like just make sure that there's there's a lot there's a lot of ways to get that freelancer work out there. Uh, you know, providing a good base of your work to these people. Like when when you when you apply to these. Uh, jobs on the job boards. Like make sure that you have the a, a good portfolio page um, set up, and just flush all that stuff out. Uh, make sure that you're you're really putting in a lot of work. Um, I think someone recently I was talking to them, and they were they were talking about unemployment, and they were saying how when you're unemployed, your job at that time is to find work. So if you go to work for eight hours a day. If you're not unemployed, then you're you're working. You should be working for eight hours a day to try to get a job, and I think the hustle kind of should be like that as well. So if you're in the first starting times of being a freelancer, and it's going to be a challenge to get your first freelancer work, and you're probably going to have to put in those like eight hour days to just try to like you know apply to all the jobs online, try to go to these meetups, uh, go to you know connect with as many people as you can. Uh, and try to get try to get your face and your portfolio in front of as many people that can make those decisions to hire, as as you can throughout that process. And I think I think that was a good piece of advice with uh, the whole you know treat it like a job, eight hours of of the day. And I think that's something that we need to um, or that we could work on. Uh, luckily, like I said, we we do we have been kind of lucky in the hustle aspect where our efforts have paid off and they've paid off fairly quickly. Um, and that is probably a factor in the fact that we don't do too much of the hustle, but um, yeah, I just wanted to input that so you can carry on now, Matt.
0: Yeah. That, well, that's a really good point because it's like this, this, this podcast like absolutely focuses a lot on like, like using freelancer online services. And I'm going to get into the specifics of each of the ones I just mentioned as well. Um, but I think it's really, I think that's a really important point is that we, Like, it is probably our weakest point because it's something that we do the least of. Oftentimes, like, it'd be something like, oh, it's a slow month. What do we do? And we don't really know what to do. And then, like, a a week later or a couple days later, something comes in. And we seem to be lucky in that regard. And so we've never really had a very, very prolonged period of, like, literally nothing to do. And so like, like I'm happy with that obviously, but like, I would say that definitely like if, if, if you're listening to this now and you're like, Whoa, like I don't use any of these freelancer sites. I use Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or, or I only go to meetups or whatever. Like that, that's absolutely the hustle as well. I'm focusing on the things that, you know, drummed up some business for us and got us started, but, uh, and, and, and like stuff that oftentimes you can actually just jump into even today. If you're listening to this and go, Oh, I haven't heard of that site. I'm going to sign up, you know, absolutely. Of course. But. It's just, it's just, that. that's a really good point, Mike, is that the hustle goes beyond, you know, the traditional service. It's also like everything else, like bumping into people in the bus office, or the bus office, the bus stop, and uh, the friggin' bus. Yeah, I'm just gonna burst into the bus yeah. office. Yeah, you guys got, you got, you got seen, seen any websites? Holy Christ.
1: It's a great analogy. Yeah, you gotta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just gotta go to that bus stop or bus off, bus office. They <laughs>
0: yeah, just break break into the uh, yeah, to like anyone, the dispatcher's office. Anyone here need a site?
1: <laughs> yeah, anyone. Anyone listening to this podcast? If you have a bus office near you, just get get bust right in there and uh, <laughs> offer your freelancer <laughs> services. It's a it's one hundred percent guaranteed gonna work.
0: Yeah, this is the last stop. No, 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 no sir. Like I'm 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 staying on to the depot. I gotta go to the bus office yeah, and talk is. to the manager here.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's part <laughs> of the hustle.
0: But uh, but yeah, so like even like. Jumping into someone at the bus stop and just, you know, giving them your card is, is still a part of the hustle. So it's just, yeah, that's a really good point to make, um, that our focus is at like, first of all, it, we don't focus on hustling a lot and we haven't done all the aspects, but there's a ton of aspects. So if you have anything like that that you want to share with us feel free to, you know, hit us up on uh, social media, uh, about what you do to hustle. So anyway, uh, segment number two is, uh, our experience with freelancer online services, or online freelancer services or so someone decided on that. But anyway, <laughs> uh, okay. So we're going to start with guru.com. So, uh, on guru.com, uh, we applied to a few jobs on there, uh, without much success. However, we had a, we had uh, great success with our, uh, online or with our portfolio that was listed there. So guru is one of those sites that had like a really fully fledged portfolio page that we filled out, um, in its entirety for the time. And uh, once we listed our skills and experience on there, uh, we generated a few leads from people contacting us right from the portfolio page because some of the skills that we had um, were in demand. And so we got really lucky there. So there's there's one piece of the hustle where people were calling us out rather than us going on that job board. Um, freelancer.com. So this was actually the the very first fr- actual freelancing site that we tried to use. Um, it was one of those things where, you know, I typed in freelancing sites this was the one that popped up. It seemed really popular and active, so he went in head first. You know, the site works technically well. I didn't have much exposure to it, but the site works technically well. Um, and at the time, which was a couple of years ago, I think now it was really active in that, and I haven't checked on it really since. Um, but it, I know it's still online. Like I did check if it was still up and running, um, of course, because it did seem very active. And uh, so basically, how we started was we tried we tried starting with smaller jobs. So like it was something like a hundred dollars or less, because I just wanted to learn. I really like learning the procedure. And then I'll use that procedure to my benefit when doing larger things. I don't like, I don't like worrying about the amount of money on the table and the procedure at the same time. So, like I said, we started with the uh, smaller jobs, hundred or less, and we ended up scoring a low cost small adjustment job, uh, which ended up being an entire mess of a situation. So, the, I'm, I'm not going to get into real, real, real specifics here, but basically, the the customer, the customer uh, had an issue with his account, and then we didn't look at how freelancer charges. So, like we ended up with a bill. And it was a mess. So like, you know, make sure you absolutely read these freelancer websites, like all of them, make sure you understand their ins and outs, because we just dove straight into this one. And it was definitely a bit of a mess for us. It was a bit of a weird situation because the customer also had trouble too. But it was just one of those things where it was like, holy Christ, like, you know, now we owe this bill and we like, we don't know what's going on. And like, and it was all like, really, like, we should have probably looked into it more. Um, but we just kind of dove right in and that probably wasn't the smartest thing. And also these, all these sites have all, like I've mentioned before, all these sites have different features. Like they're all like generally the same, but they have little, little changes, little, you know, they charge different ways. So make sure you read through everything, set everything up, right. And get it right the first time, because otherwise you're going to get stuck with a bill probably like we did. But, um, in the very beginning, so before we did any sort of freelancer, like official quote unquote freelancer website, we tried classifieds. So uh, specifically in the form of Kijiji, which I think is only in Canada, but it's it's free. They're free online classifieds if they're only in Canada. I don't know if that's true. K i j i j i is how you spell it. I'm gonna put a link in the dish, into in the show notes just in case. But uh, yeah, so Kijiji, hopefully I spelled that right, enough J-I's in there. But anyway, um, Kijiji, and then of course Craigslist, uh, the Canadian version, as we're Canadian. So in the very beginning, we tried to get some free advertising going in these, you know, classified spaces. And um, we, we to do that, we took a look at what other people were doing on there uh, in the web development space. And a lot of them were like really quick packages, like, oh, $500 um, or less, and, you know, I'll put a site up for you, and, you know, it's $500 all in kind of thing. Uh, and, and, and so it was like, we're like, okay, like people want package deals. They want something easy, quick, and whatever. So, uh, following in their footsteps, we released a few different ads at different price points listing, uh, and we also listed similar, similarly priced packages, um, on our, on our website as well. Um, the actual, website didn't generate any leads. However, um, we did get one long-term customer relationship from a person that called us from the ad and it, it actually, the person actually wanted just general development services. They didn't actually want the package that we were offering. Um, so that's something, just something interesting of note is that even though we were specifically advertising, I forget what it was, maybe a $250 site or something like that, the person was like, Oh, these people. You know seem reasonable or whatever, or whatever their um their their process of elimination was when looking at all those developers, but they called us and said hey i need I need help with something that isn't like with the package. I need help with something else, and we still work with that person uh, to to this day, so we got so that was good um however, though, just to mention we also got a call or two from people that wanted like extravagant websites for extremely cheap uh, in one instance uh we were offered something like a hundred dollars Canadian for an entire restaurant site. Uh, and I think it, I think it had ordering or something in there. It's, it's been years. So, uh, like, don't quote me on that type of stuff, but it was like, it was uh, my, I think Mike may have taken the call. I can't remember, but it was like an yeah. extremely extravagant site. Do, do you remember that call, Mike?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was actually going to mention it. Uh, yeah, I got, I think it was at a pet store and I got a call cause I, we put my number down on the Kijiji ad and yeah, this person, we went into a long conversation where he kind of listed his requirements, which was, uh, there wasn't any ordering, but it was a full-fledged restaurant site with a fully web webified menu, uh, not like a PDF or anything like that. Like he wanted a, people to be able to click on the menu, get nutrition facts, stuff like that uh, for a small restaurant. And I was – and like he was quoting – he was talking about the ad, and I think the ad up there was $500 for something like this. Um, and I said, uh, yeah, well, like the $500 is for a simple three page application. This is obviously a more complex application, so it would be, you know, a little bit above $500. And then he kind of quoted me back saying, well, we can't spend more than a hundred dollars on this. And, uh, yeah, that kind of left me a little bit speechless. Um, and probably shouldn't have, I probably should have, the way I should have handled that is I should have, uh. Told him about the value that the site adds and how much it, like the revenue that it can generate for him by bringing people in and showing the professionalism of the site. But really, all I ended up doing was saying like that it's not the price point's not going to work for us. Uh, if if you're willing to negotiate, I have no problem doing that. Uh, but it's going to be like in the you know five hundred dollar and up range. Regardless, um, we'll have to come back and give you like a formal quote. But yeah, that definitely ended the conversation completely and uh but i think th- there was another call of similar th- a similar thing happened uh so yeah i'll I'll let you continue on but I, I think pretty much just value your time as well and don't don't like say yes to every opportunity if it's going to you know negate your uh your own way of advancing i, I the other thing is like really pick your client uh as well be be a little bit picky because the from the attitude that i got on the phone i knew that our relationship wasn't going to work out even even if he were to agree to that 500 like i knew it was going to be kind of like a a challenging situation uh for not much reward so that kind of made it a little bit easier to reject it so yeah
0: well that's that's a really good point too is it's like it's like we were listing on like free classifieds so there is sort of a like it's a more of a general audience it's people that are definitely like not experienced with tech with tech um and like how long it takes to make sites and that type of thing and you know any like i mean anyone can go on these other freelancer sites too but those are more specialty sites so it's like you kind of get more like you're gonna get people that oftentimes have hired freelancers before or it's actually other businesses that are used to hiring freelancers not always of course you always get some people but it's just something to note to note that like if you you know if you're stuck in the free game of you know you're i mean some of these other freelancer sites are free to an extent as well like i said but it's, like, if you're stuck in the fully free game um, of listing listing in classifieds, like Kijiji or Craigslist, and, you know, you, got, you get a few bad calls. It's not all calls are bad. Like I said, we got a really good call, and we're still working with this person to this day. But it's just, it's something that you kind of have to filter through. You kind of have to get through it. And I think it just comes with the territory of being listed in a place that's so general. Like, a place that you could also buy a dog. Like, it's literally, like, that general of a site, right? It's just classifieds. So, Th- that's, that's just something I, I, I want to mention there. Um, also that, uh, as far as we know, none of the leads came from Craigslist. Uh, I, we spent the least amount of time on Craigslist as well. So I'm actually interested if any of you guys have listed anything on Craigslist, whether you got anything from your, like, you know, for copywriting or anything like that. Um, but we listed, we listed a couple of our, again, like it's been years. I believe it was the same packages that we listed on Kijiji. And, uh, we put those onto Craigslist and no no dice as far as we know so kijiji was the winner for us but uh, we did put more time into that so there's that um so i think that will conclude segment number two here and i'm gonna toss it over to mike for segment number three
1: all right uh yeah so I, i i don't think i have much to add other than what i've already added to that segment so thanks matt um so i'll go on to segment number three uh creating projects so this is uh, definitely part of the hustle and uh, maybe maybe one of the first parts of the hustle, in fact. And it's pretty much, it's a very important step and it gives you a portfolio and a way to showcase skills that you have to potential clients. Um, so for us, we initially started with obviously like the basic HTML, CSS websites, uh but we quickly moved on to chrome applications and chrome extensions uh we kind of did that and we talked about this already in in previous episodes uh but we did that based on the fact that we saw it as an up and coming niche uh we wanted to kind of differentiate ourselves and uh, provide some focus uh so that potential clients can see that we have something to offer that not everyone has to offer um and that for sure uh generated a, w- was a very good choice for us uh it did only get net us one client, uh, one, one large client, but again, that's our, our probably our largest and most, uh, most important client to date from, from that decision. Um, so the other thing is, is, uh, not not only can projects potentially generate revenue. So if you're making like an application or a uh, an extension or a website or a web app, something like that, uh, it can be monetized obviously, but they, they also can refine and showcase how many like your soft and hard skills. Uh, the skills can be like project management because uh, people can go into your Git repository, see how, how you actually you know, did your commits. Uh, you can even kind of post a side page to your project showing maybe a project timeline. I think that that would be a good idea in in a hustle kind of situation so that people can see, A, you understand that what project timelines are. Maybe show that you, how you collected requirements for the project. Uh, maybe show some, uh, some diagrams like sequence diagrams, activity diagrams, uh, you know, software engineering diagrams to show how you kind of planned it out um, for a project, even if it's something small. So, you get kind of that, that fallback. And, um, so in a, the big thing for us is when we're looking at a project, uh, it's going to not only have a chance of generating money, but it has that worst case scenario outcome of being a great portfolio item that could, you know, you could show to a client and you can get a job with, uh, and that's, that's very key in this kind of, in, in this kind of market. So freelancers that finish school, and that's all they've done, and they have nothing to show for themselves, they're not going to have very much success in landing any projects uh, for freelancing. They might have success in landing a job, and in that, that's kind of disputed. I would say you still need that portfolio. It's almost like um, an art degree, right? Like w- w- a little more professional, I, in, in my opinion, not to like uh, say anything bad a- about art. There's nothing bad about it. I, I love I love like graphic design and art and all that. I I wish I could do it, but uh, I think that one is very, very portfolio focused. Uh, Whereas web development is, you know, schooling does show a lot, but you need also that portfolio piece. You need to show that, like what your drive is, what your coding style is, what your, uh, What what you can create, how you how how you solve problems in coding scenarios, and a lot of people, a lot of technical directors will go in and actually look at your code and like in your GitHub repositories, your open source code, they'll be able to see how you like how you go through the process of creating something from nothing to a finished product, which is which is really big and really important for a lot of people to see. it could be more important even than an interview, in my opinion. So I'd I'd almost rather see someone take a project from start to finish and have a really well-defined coding style and coding method rather than them answer some, you know, uh, complicated uh, interview question on the spot. Because uh, that, yes, one shows that you have retained a lot of knowledge And you can, you know, answer stuff like at the snap of your fingers, but do you really ever use that kind of knowledge or that kind of thing where you don't have a situation where you don't have a computer and you can't look, look up and perform, like given an uh, an informed answer based on your own skills and your own experience. I'd rather have that. Um, So something that uh, we, we always need in these kinds of projects for like a portfolio projects or personal projects or uh, business projects. What we really need is we need to keep time- timelines very tight, and this is a personal thing for uh, I think Matt and I, uh, because we we tend to get sidetracked and lose focus. Because usually, what will happen is like if we have anything longer than two weeks, we'll have something else come in, like another side, like a, another like paid client project, and we'll start focusing on that, and then w- we won't be able to come back and finish off the project that we started. So, what we found worked the best. Is to have a very defined period of work, where we not like you know throw clients down and reject work, but instead we kind of organize ourselves so that we have most of the time available uh, to work on this project. And we did this for our first uh, game, web game that we ever created called Clicks to Riches. Uh, It's available only as a Chrome app currently. uh, I don't have any plans of actually porting it, but. Uh it's it's pretty much just a clicker game. I've talked about it before on, on the podcast. You you click, you you move up, you you keep clicking, and then it clicks for you because you buy people and stuff like that. Um But what we did was we had an artist, uh one of Matt's friends, and we sat down and we decided, let's finish this game, because we we all have a very limited time frame, let's do it in two weeks. Uh, or maybe even a week. I can't, I can't remember exactly how much it was. I think we finished like an MVP in a week and then we kind of refined it and released it on the app store the next week. Um, But pretty much we, we sat down in together in in a, in a, in a house for a week. I went there every day, went, went here every day, pretty much. And we went like, you know, 10, 12 hours a day and we finished the whole, the whole thing in, in that week. And we got it out there on the store and it, it did okay, but uh, it's it's been doing recent recently a little bit better. But it's not again. It's not about the that as much as it was about the experience of working together, of planning the project, of doing it, completing it, and then having that to showcase for getting more freelancer work and stuff like that. This is this is more what I'm talking about with these projects. Less about the actual monetization of each project and the success uh, based on downloads and stuff. Uh so and the same thing happened with HTML the things Matt and I kind of uh puttered about for it for a long time and then we eventually kind of sat down and said like we got to do this like if we're, and if we're going to do it like we know each other it needs to be a one to two week period where we sit down and we hammer it out if we don't do it in that two week period we're not going to do it That's what we planned. We planned it all out. Started the two week period, I think like three weeks ago it was released it last week. It worked out great for us as well. Um, An example of something that didn't work uh, was a thing called Content Collector, which was supposed to be an application about uh, sharing resources between clients and their, uh, like between a developer and their client. So being able to like share images easier and have timelines set on when to receive images. Uh, so it was a thing called Content Collector, and we puttered about with it for a really long time. We sat down, we kind of started working on it, uh, got a project plan together. But what the problem was is that our project plan was, I think, like in the months, like two months, three months thing, and uh, of course. This is different. This is a different kind of project than what I usually do with a client, where, like, yes, I do have three month or five month projects with clients, but I'm generating revenue while I'm doing that hourly revenue because that's, I'm a contractor. I, I get paid by the hour. With something like this, with Content Collector, uh, it was literally just my time and I get nothing back from it until potentially you get, you know, you get it out there and maybe people use it, maybe not. Um, so the issue there is, As soon as something with money comes up, as soon as something that can sidetrack you and you have something to sidetrack, you're going to get sidetracked because money is the king in this kind of situation. So our issue is is that project's on the back burner because, again, the loose timelines that we added to it just did not facilitate us finishing it. Um, and I don't know if we'll ever finish it. I, I did, I did like the concept of the project, but again, I think it's going to take another month to finish and really flush out. And I don't know if we have that kind of time, manpower and budget to be able to finish, uh, finish something with that. So keep that in mind, uh, when you're making these projects, make sure that they're, you know, doable in in a shorter amount of time, because you're not doing them for potentially for making revenue. You're doing them to showcase your skills, to be able to, uh, you know, for a person to go in, look at, look at your GitHub and quickly, quickly go through it, not have to sift through 10,000 lines of code uh, to know your coding style. I think, I think that's, that's kind of the, the, the process that we're going to go with. And uh, next week, like, like Matt said, we'll be talking more in depth about another, maybe a shorter, even a shorter window project that we're going to be working on uh, to, with the same kind of intent to be kind of a showcase project with the potential to generate revenue. Um, yeah, so that's, that's a big thing for us. Um, another, another, another flaw that I would say, uh, we have with these projects is we're very hesitant to create a project. And, uh, we've talked about this before, but, um, we, we, we were hesitant sometimes to create like these smaller projects because we see so many of them on like an app store, like, Oh, this one solves the exact same problem that we are solving, even though we're doing it a little bit differently. Uh, it's solving why, why would anyone download an application? There's like seven or eight different applications that are doing the same thing. Um, and that's, that's true. It, like, depending on how you're doing, like if you're being funded by a large corporation and you have a bunch of money on the, on the, like, risking you're risking a bunch of money on the project and there's a million different applications out there that are doing the same thing that could be a problem but usually for us like i said it's a two-week period of uh, probably not even full-time work that's not so much of a risk if you create something better and you have a few people use it that's already kind of a win because you're creating a portfolio project right it's not so much about how many people use it and how many of the same solution it are out there try to pick a, a project and make it better obviously that's the point um and then our other problem i would say is we don't know the audience well if we don't know the audience well enough when we're do, when we're like you know conceptualizing a project we kind of start to hesitate a lot and we start to panic and not maybe not panic but we start to kind of doubt if the project is going to be a success in in terms of like people liking it and people using it and stuff like that. And again, that's something we have to work on. That's part of our maybe our downfall, like not our downfall, but our um our weakness in the hustle game. So we have to a put in more effort into finding the right audiences and researching the audience before fully committing to a project. Uh and b being able to understand that this project's not going to reach the entire audience and we're doing this for, you know, a way to showcase how to do something, a way to showcase uh our skills our uh, b- boost our portfolio when we have the time to do that um and that that's pretty much all I have on creating projects so Matt unless you have anything to add uh I'll move on to web news
0: yeah, the one thing I just wanted to say was that um the one term I guess we came up with today was that we want like like well specifically what I'm talking about is when Mike was saying that we become apprehensive when we we're either in the middle of a project or when we're trying to plan a project, you know, whether people are going to use it or whether we're confident in it. Essentially, um, one of the things that we were talking about today was that, you know, you still should be paranoid and you still should be worried about stuff like that. Uh, it's, it's more so, it's more so a concern when like, like, like you shouldn't jump in willy nilly. It should be a managed concern, if that makes sense, a managed paranoia um that was kind of the the thing we coined today was like managed whatever managed panic managed whatever because you know you really should like if the market shifts and you're in the middle of development and the market shifts completely away from what you're doing you know that is cause for concern it doesn't necessarily mean you just fire off like what you have like maybe it maybe it does if you're if it's too late but it you know you should absolutely be paranoid about it because you know time is money it at in the same t- in the same breath, though, Mike and I are too cautious, whereas we will be like, oh, man, like we could make this in a Sunday afternoon or we could make this in three days. But what we'll do is we'll talk about it for three weeks, kind of like get get hyped up for it, then do a little more research, get a little bit worried and then stop three weeks later saying, ah, eh, you know, whatever. Or, hey, we'll talk about it later. And we never do. And it's like, dude, that thing could have already been done a couple of times over and a couple of those Sunday afternoons were just spent, you know, watching TV or something when we could have had something out. And not every project needs to make a million dollars. Not every project even needs to make a hundred dollars. If you're getting some good experience out of it, you know, you're essentially paying for your own education with time in those cases. Um, so that's just something I wanted to mention is that, you know, and I, I we're not recommending that you just, you know, fire off an app. Like if somebody, if, if someone today is trying to make a MySpace app, I mean, I don't know if that's the best thing to do. I don't even know if you could even do that. But if you were, it's like, well, I don't know about that. Like, if you know, I don't know if you want to make that MySpace companion app. But like, if you're trying to make something for Facebook, you know, maybe that's something different. But it's just, you know, be paranoid, but like manage it and make sure that, you know, eventually you just got to be like, all right, the hell with this. I'm just going to fire this up and see what happens. I'm going to go make this and see what happens. So it's just just something I want to say.
1: Yeah, and that's that's totally true. And I th- I think setting yourself up with a uh a limited time frame helps you choose what you can and cannot do and helps you kind of weed out those things that would, you know, be a potential to just suck your time in for nothing. Um I think that I, I mean that's what's helped us that that's the only thing I can I can think of uh to help in, in that kind of situation for these kinds of projects. Again, if you're working for a client, obviously you're not going to be limiting yourself to a two-week project because you're getting paid for a solution that you're inputting. Like that, that's a totally different conversation. We're talking about projects that will be used as a a potential uh portfolio project, right? Again, it's nice to be thinking that oh, I'll put some ads in this project. Maybe it'll generate a little bit of revenue. That could definitely happen. It's not it's not out of the realm of possibility. But thinking. Own, like thinking that that is the, your your only success, like that's the only way to success, is going to lead to a lot of failure. Um, there there's just too much, there's too much that can go wrong, and that that might really bring you down each and every time. Like you release an app, not enough people use it, you don't get generate enough revenue, you don't feel confident in your abilities and stuff like that. It's too much of a it's a it's a terrible cycle to to put yourself in. Rather th- rather think that yes, it didn't generate revenue, but look at all these skills that I learned. Look at look at this portfolio piece that I can put on my portfolio and show a client that could potentially be using a similar system. Uh, I could show them. Listen, I've already like this. This took me two weeks. I've already had have something similar in place. I can obviously do your project. It's going to take X amount of time, X amount of money. Uh, but you have proof that I have done something like that. So uh, th- th- those are the kinds of things that. I would suggest, uh, for someone starting out in, in the freelancing industry, that's for sure. So I'll move on to web news. Uh, and this, this web news is also going to generate some conversation as all our web news do. Uh, it's probably going to have some Mac versus, uh, Apple talk in it as well. So
0: Mac versus Apple, sorry, not
1: Mac window windows versus windows versus Mac OS talk. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Like, I mean, Mac versus Apple would be very boring.
0: I'm going to say uh, like, yeah. what's going on here?
1: <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So web news topic, updates versus stability. So what what I mean by this is um, it's kind of a question to, I guess, Matt, myself and the audience, if they want to, you know, tag us in some Instagram or Twitter uh, and answer this question as well, what would you prefer? So do you prefer an application that has, that receives updates, you know, once a year doesn't re- like the the disadvantage of this would be you're not getting all those optimizations and features all the time uh you're kind of getting you know the very core stable product update once a year and then it just doesn't kind of doesn't do anything for the, for the rest of the time but it's a stable product like you can use it and you know what you're getting with it from like today and tomorrow uh it doesn't matter, you know that it's gonna work, you know that it's gonna do the things that you that it can do well uh or would you rather a application or operating system to have a you know quick update cycle, which is i think what's more prevalent these days um but Pretty much what that means is like maybe a monthly or even like a biweekly or weekly update cycle uh, where they're just constantly pumping new features into the thing. They're constantly putting optimizations at the risk and chance of losing stability. And they're, they know that. Like the, obviously the developers know that there's a chance that they might lose that stability. Like a a feature might break that they that implemented a long time ago. A person might not be able to do the same thing that they did yesterday, today, because uh, they've changed the way they do it. Because updates bringing in features means that sometimes they also change the UX and they do that rapidly. Um, so exa- I'll, I'll give some examples of this and then we can kind of get into a discussion. Uh, so the examples of, I would say, in today's age, fairly stable and consistent Operating systems, uh, would be iOS and Android, as weird as that sounds. Um, usually they only get one major update a year. So, like with Android, it's usually one of those, uh, candy or food updates, you know, like lollipop, gingerbread, uh, uh, what's the latest ones? Pie, I think. So th- those come out once a year. Um, usually th- while, the year's going, they get security updates uh, with really no features, features being updated, maybe tiny, tiny optimizations, but nothing that the user really notices for the most part. Um, but really what, what you get is you get the phone and usually you'll have one update max. And then that, like the experience that you have the phone on day one is very similar to the experience of the phone the year after that, which which is kind of like, it's it's usually stable. Again, I'm putting stable in parentheses for Android because that could be a problem sometimes on some manufacturers. But let's say like, let's say ideals. Usually Android is pretty stable um, and you're kind of, you know, what to expect when you wake up and open your phone in an operating system sort of sense. Uh, the things that kind of change more rapidly, I would say Windows goes pretty ham with the updates these days. So I think uh, it's once a week or something like that. Uh, or once every two weeks where they have like those Tuesday updates and then I think multiple times a year they'll have a big feature update and with with this rapid update schedule comes the issues that keep arising with these with these big updates um, where you know your documents will get deleted uh, where you know the ux of one feature will completely change and you you won't like a regular you know, a person that's been using it all these years will just not know how to use it anymore because they'll have to relearn how to use a completely new inter- user interface and stuff like that. And this can happen rapidly, right? With Windows, it happens fairly quickly. Um, also, the up- the updates will bring instability, uh, which has happened many, many times. Um, I've had, I- I personally had to reinstall Windows because of updates three times in the last two years on different machines. So that that to me is definitely instability, and the, because of the rapid updates, yes, you get the you get the the fact that it's very secure uh, potentially because they're constantly updating the security vulnerabilities. But in my opinion, they're also bringing in security vulnerabilities with their updates. So yes, people have to find them every single time they update, but it just it seems like it keeps happening, um, and. Then there's, uh, so that's kind of like the, the, I guess the good and the bad for updating rapidly and updating, uh, slower and more stable. Uh, the other, the other thing is that there's platforms that update. Um, I think recently Matt was talking about how we, we have a website that's using Webflow and when Webflow updated, uh, you know, it auto updates or I, I don't know if you like clicked update or whatever, it broke one of the features on, on the site. So Webflow is a CMS kind of like WordPress. WordPress is also known for this. So a WordPress will update and break a bunch of plugins and then you'll have to go in and fix those plugins. Uh, So it's, it's just like, would you, would you rather have WordPress as you know, it just stay the same? You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's going to work all the time and not update and you have the option to do this i believe i believe like w- with stuff like wordpress and with stuff like app updates you can even turn app up- updates off on your phone for the most part i believe some apps will stop working after a certain amount of time uh depending on how th- how they use their micro- like the the server services and if they change communications and stuff like that but you for some things you do have the option to not update uh windows is kind of iffy with that now because they they're trying to force the updates on people um so you it's kind of a, it is a user preference thing and people can usually control it. Uh, And I'm curious what people do. Do people just allow the updates to happen and risk the instability? Or do people just stop updating when they get to a certain point that they're comfortable with and they just kind of, you know, look, look to the side of new features. Like they don't care that there's windows like like windows is loading 3.2 seconds faster than everyone else. They don't care about that. Um, that's that's my question so I'll pass it off to Matt what is your opinion on this
0: Uh well first and foremost I used to be like a windows update deflector I used to on windows 10 set my like my, my connection to metered and, and not download the updates Uh now I just am at the mercy of the updates I just don't care and if I have a problem I'll just reset the PC Uh as as ridiculous <laughs> as that sounds like it, like if I boot up and it doesn't work okay start settings you know whatever reset this PC because uh, most of my stuff's in the cloud, most of my stuff is, you know, redownloadable. So I'm kind of at a point where I'm at the mercy of updates. Same with, same with my phone. Uh, I set, I'm on a, I'm on a Android, and I just set all my updates to auto update or my apps to auto update. I just, I don't care anymore because I, I started getting those problems where, first of all, there was an app badge which is annoying, telling me there was updates. Uh, sometimes the apps themselves would tell me there were updates, so that's annoying, and then sometimes they would stop working or like features would start acting up because you have an old version. So now I'm just at the mercy. And if something works, something doesn't work, I just stop using it. Now, I'm, what I'm curious is, is whether that is more in line with a consumer than a power user. So like I could be defined as a power user cause I use a lot of electronics and I use a lot of apps and I use the functionality in my devices, you know, b- basically to their fullest for the most part. But I wonder if my mentality has now changed in terms of that type of stuff to be more like a consumer where I'm at the mercy of these companies and I just don't care. Like, um, I play video games quite a bit and all my games just update automatically. Like, I just, like, whatever. latest update. If I boot them up and they don't work, uninstall, they go, and they reinstall. Like, it, and, like, I don't know whether, like, like, that sounds like it's a bad way to be, but I'm kind of at the point where it's like, Game consoles need to update, my computers need to update, my tablets, my phone, my watch. So we're at a point in which every piece of software needs to update. And I'm just like, like actually sick of it. Like I just don't care. So I'll just fire it off. Like, um, another thing too uh, on that is that I have in the past, like I said, I used to deflect and I used to deflect windows updates and then I updated later and the updates like installed in the wrong order or something. And just completely, like, fried my laptop. Essentially, I had to wipe that thing anyway. Mm. And so, I was at a point where I was like, well, I'm just going to install every update. And if it breaks it, whatever, I'll just, I'll just reset this PC, I guess. Um, and, 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 like, to be fair, like, that's happened once, maybe twice on my laptop. But it's still not good. Like, if I was on a trip, it's like, well, fuck. Like, hopefully there's a good internet around here. Because I'm going to need to download gigs upon gigs. And hopefully I actually have internet around here. Uh, because, you know, well, obviously like I need internet for the update, but what if it was, what if it installed the update tonight the before I left? And then I like, you know, shut down the computer, move on, like, you know, go, go somewhere wherever I'm going. I'm away from the internet. I boot it up and it's broken. You know, like that's, that's not good. So I would say that in some cases, like I agree with Mike that it, that there is that instability level with windows, albeit it has been a while. And I will say that it happened a lot more when windows 10 was less mature um, so that's good. Like, there is a there is a very clear correlation, a very clear uh, road to improvement that they've reached, I would say. The one thing yeah. I will say, though, is that I kind of don't mind having updates running all the time, because sometimes I'll be like, oh, this is different, and I'll kind of, like, take a look. Because I kind of like looking at the UX of stuff, like, that's kind of, I mean, it's for my job, too, but it, I just kind of, like, look at it and be like, oh, why did they change this? I wonder why, and I'll mess around so it's like. Like that's different than a regular consumer. Consumers like I want to post a picture. Where's that picture button? You know. Whereas I'm like, oh, why did they move that? And so I kind of like poke around a bit, and and so there's like that curiosity factor, I guess. But in general, in general, I I don't I don't like doing updates, and especially if you're in a business like a serious business. You know, we're we're in a serious business, but it's like not like as if if I have five minutes of downtime, you know, the world isn't gonna you know erupt. But if you're in like a, you know, some, I don't know, a finance business or you're in like a big corporation and an update pushes to half your PCs and 25% of them go down, you know, that's a huge portion of the company that's down. Probably vital roles can't be done. Like that's a mess and that's not good. And so in an enterprise sense, you know, I can absolutely sympathize with those guys where they're like, I don't want this. Like I want to be secure and everything, but it's like, okay, great. I'm secure. I'm, my computer doesn't turn on. So how secure is that? You know, you'd rather, you know, back to, back to typewriters, I guess, you know, but so I, I think my answer to this is that I think I'm still deciding. And one of the things I, one of the, the, the topics of discussion I get into a lot with, um, like I'm on another gaming podcast and we get into this discussion with those guys on and off air is that what is better in terms of gaming? So I don't know if, you know, some of our audience are obviously play games and so some don't, but... So, in, in video games, they have a tendency nowadays to release something that is not always but oftentimes broken. And, like, broken in a really weird way. Like, it'll be like, oh, like, the main menu doesn't load right. And it's like, dude, did you even boot this up when you shipped this build? Like, what the what the fuck's going on here? It's not, like, as if, like, you know... Somebody, you know, played the game, loaded 68 times, ran around the world, reset his clock, turned off his console, had a power it, to turn it back on, and then it broke. It's like somebody turned on the thing and the menu's broken. Like, what are you guys doing? And there's a point in which like the, those points that, that I think that's where I'm at in the conversation where I've given up in terms of apps and I've given up in terms of OS. Uh, and that goes for phone and computer. But when it comes to like games, because you interact with them like so much, it's like the OS seems to be like kind of fleshed out. Um, for the most part, nowadays, like the functionality isn't added like every single day, but when it comes to like a game, it's like, like you're interacting with every facet of it. That's the point of a game. And when the main menu is broken or when a major system is broken, it's like, you guys didn't like, you guys did not test this. You didn't check it. It's clear. Like, don't even, don't deny it. Don't PR me. Just say it. I didn't test this. I wanted the money now. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for the honesty. Like, honestly, um. Oh, did you cut out there, Mike? Yep.
1: Yeah, I did. Oh, okay, and I think you did. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, that was I weird. Didn't hear
0: you. But anyway, yeah, um, okay. yeah, yeah, that's fine. But so, like, it's 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 one of those it's one of those things where, like, again, it it sounds like I'm being super cynical, but like Mike and I have had this discussion where we've had discussions about apps, like Mike's like like as we mentioned today, some of the app ideas we've had. And there's seriously been times where I've said, why don't we just ship this and not test it? And, like, honestly, though, like, Mike can attest to this. Like, yeah. I've said that. Like, who gives a fuck? Just ship it. And, like, that sounds so outrageous. Like, that sounds so outrageous when you say that out loud. And, and even me, the, I, I'm on said it, and it sounds outrageous. Like, I do not deny that that sounds outrageous, to be totally clear. But, really, that's what people are doing, right? That's what, that's what they're doing. So, why not? And it's because like, I, I want to take pride in my work. I want to have a legitimate product. I want to have it where it can be a real, you know, MVP, you know, most viable product or whatever. Like it's, I want it to be legitimate. I want people to be able to use it. And sure, sometimes like it could be argued that missing features, especially out of an MVP, missing features could actually be an issue of their own and fair enough. But I like imagine not having a save button on a camera, but it takes the picture okay and shows the preview, but you can't save. Like that's a major feature missing. For example, right? Mm-hmm. That would never happen. Probably I would hope, but like just a you know a, a throwaway example. But like it's it's one of those things where I I I, I don't know I don't know. Like, I, I sympathize with the devs because the devs need to in big corporations need to please the suits, and the suits want it out fast. And the suits want the cash. Generally speaking, right? I, I'm Again, I'm speaking very generally. So, mm-hmm. if the suits get the cash because people bought it day one and the people are mad, do the suits care? Probably not. And the devs answer to the suits, so now nobody cares. It's like the dev probably actually personally care because they're like, shit, like, I didn't get time to finish that menu, guys. Like, I had to put it out. It was due this day, you know? And that sucks. Absolutely. But it's like, because we live in this like system where like programs are becoming more uh, complex and timelines are, I don't know whether they're getting shorter, but timelines aren't that long. So I don't really know. I think, I think that's where I stand actually. Cause I'm, I'm hitting a roadblock and everything. I think I'm still processing it. And I, and one day mm-hmm. I'll probably explode and send Mike a million messages and I'll take a stand one way or another. It'll be a big thing. <laughs> I, I probably don't you know, just it, waiting for it, it's probably gonna happen because, like, I've said, whenever I freak out, I just send Mike like a million messages. I'm like, you know what, that's it, this happened, and I'm done with all of this. I'm sick of them all, yep. and I'll just like write off a bunch of stuff and I'll shut off all my updates, or maybe I'll turn on more. Maybe I'll turn on more updates. But what what, <laughs> what is your opinion on this, Mike?
1: Yeah, so, so my opinion is I actually like updates, uh, surprisingly, I think I'd rather have you know, the added features, the added security that the updates bring over the, the stability. And I come, I come from the, I come at this from a person that's been wronged. Oh, so many times by updates. Uh, Like you were mentioning before, like what, what would happen if, you know, it's, it's good that it didn't happen to you on a trip or something. And I had that exact thing happen on a trip. First day I landed, uh, I had a conference call scheduled In about two hours after, after I landed, open up my laptop and blue screen, uh, can't find the OS, you know? Okay. All right. That's fine. Let's, let's reset this PC real quick. Can't find the partition to reset the PC. Okay. Let's, let's do like recovery. Can't find any recovery partitions. All right. So like I, an update did that to me at, at the worst possible time in the worst possible place without any ways of, uh, of recovering. Because the internet wasn't fast enough for the time, so I had to use my phone for the conference call, which is fine. Thankfully, I had that. But regardless, I did get directly directly affected business wise by the update by an update corrupting me. And I still say I'd rather have a company dedicated to providing updates consistently uh, rather than a company that kind of updates once and then sits back. And let's you know the, the the product mature and become stable and stuff like that for a long time. Um, maybe similar to how Microsoft Office was back in the day. Uh, not to say that it was a bad thing. Like that Microsoft Office was pretty stable. I would say back in the day, uh, back in you know t- 2007 era, that Office was probably the most stable out of all the offices. But it also was the least feature packed thing and, uh, maybe aesthetically unpleasing as well. Like now they, they release updates much faster and like, you know, they're worried about feature parity with other, with other organizations, which is nice. Uh, other, other, other applications. Uh, so I'm, I'm of the sense that I like updates. All my updates are turned on on my phone. As soon as an update comes out for Android, I'll update immediately to, to that version. Sometimes I'll, you know, put a different ROM on the, on the phone just to see the new, the new features of an update before the update's actually pushed. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely pro update, but saying that obviously there, I, I know the disadvantages of that. Uh, and I, I fully am willing to go through them. Like I one one client that I was doing some IT work for, uh, I, I don't know if I've told this story on here before, but what, like I went. I went to his house. I did all the all the work. I did, um, you know, I cleaned his computer. I fixed the problems that he was having with Outlook, stuff like that. And as I was about to leave, I had another meeting that I had to attend within like half an hour after that one. I was like, okay, I'll just do a quick restart and I'll I'll be on my way. And what happened was, I restarted the computer, not realizing there was an update to be had, and it started updating. And it did not finish updating until I think it was an hour and a half or two hours after that. And it was a Windows update. This happens. I'm sure most of you have seen it. It especially happens bad with uh, hard drives, like spinning disk drives rather than SSDs. But Windows 10 will sometimes just all of a sudden take hours to go through an update. And you're like, what's going on? No error messages is showing up. Nothing is happening. Like, I- I'm afraid to turn off my computer Uh, because it could corrupt something so it's kind of like a thing where you just have to okay well i guess i'm not working at this point so that was unfortunate so i've had that happen like i said i had the other thing with landing and not having my computer turn on happen uh sucks but i'd still rather than put the effort into creating those updates and consistently patching security flaws and stuff like that that's where i stand i don't know like another question i can ask you matt um Yes, all these applications do update all all the time so you kind of force to leave the updates on. Let's say there was an alternative to um I don't know, even know what um uh, let's say an alternative to Microsoft Office, right? Right. that didn't update. So instead of it has all it's feature parity right now with Microsoft Office. It won't be feature parity obviously it, it within like uh, maybe six months or so uh, but it's feature parity now it's stable, but it won't get an update for like two years three years would you would you use that instead of microsoft office
0: well this is this kind of goes back to the thing where I do like kind of being pleasantly surprised by Buy an application. And I do like kind of being like, whoa, like this is a new feature. Like I've never seen this before. Or like Mm -hmm. the other day, I like booted up word and was like, whoa, it's a new UI. (laughs) Like a whole new UI. I don't, I don't manage like to be clear here. Like I could be deferring updates. I think I don't manage my word at all. My office 365. I don't, I don't care. I just let it do its thing. Like I said, I'm, I'm on the fence about this. So I'm just let it, let these things ride. But I don't, I think what I would actually do is, is bookmark that other one. And use Word still, and I okay. and, and then I like I would I would continue using Word, and then I think what I would do is actually keep that one around until Word started crashing, because there's one thing there's one thing that I will say is that I really hate when programs crash or don't work at all, but when you can kind of like jankily get around or like maybe it's just janky on the new features, I'm kind of okay. Like I don't really care that much. But when it's something like I press the new button and the new button doesn't work and that's been around since the first word like Microsoft Word. So that's probably not good. Uh, That's when I start actually kind of fuming a bit that type of stuff and then I'll be like that's it. Like I'm going to this other one but like if, if they added like a new border control and the border control was kind of messed up and like I kept selecting the wrong type of border style I would be less... Like I'm not, I'm not as angry at them because it's like, oh, well, that's a new menu you look, they'll figure it out. And I think some of that does come from early access steam games where I'm used to stuff being kind of janky like that and, and stuff like that. So, and as a dev too, like for example, like the, the HTML, all the things website, it, it, the admin panel's not even styled yet. Like I didn't bother styling it yet. It's still, so like that's, that like kind of looks janky, right? Cause it's literally just HTML and it just functions. And so, like it doesn't, it doesn't have a, it doesn't have the same aesthetic as the site. Uh, when we go to edit it, so it's, it's like I'm kind of used to stuff like that. I think, as a consumer, I would absolutely say that, like, that would be really freaking annoying. Um, I remember one of the things that I had a, tr- I had trouble with was, um, on my phone. I can't remember. I think it was my G four, my LG G four, where it would just like, it wouldn't. I can't remember whether it wouldn't activate Google assistant or it would, it would, it would only do it under like a certain circumstance. Like it would, um, no, I know exactly what it is. It's my S eight plus, And if I'm on the road, so I, I downloaded Android auto and I was using Android auto for a bit. And then I had, um, I had like a, I had GPS running and I had this thing where I would like, you know, call on Google, which I'm not going to say the keyword cause she'll start talking to me. Um, I, I would use the keyword and then I would like say, you know, while I'm driving someplace, so hands-free, I'd be like, text this guy, this thing. So it was my buddy, Tim I was going to his, I was, he was kind of far away. So there was some sort of traffic jam. I said, text, you know, text him, you know, I'm going to be delayed by an hour that like, so she'd be like, okay. And then she would come back in a slightly different tone and be like, what's the message? And I'd be like, what text, you know, tell Tim, I'm going to be back in about, you know, I'm going to be like an hour late. And she's like, okay. And it's like, send message in the first tone of voice and i'm like yes send message and then she goes okay disappears the second tone comes back send message so she's just duplicating herself and it's like like that type of stuff when it's like so inst- so unstable that it's like jesus christ like so i was sending text messages for like an hour and a half by saying everything twice because she just kept doing it and i thought it was due to android auto and i didn't use android auto on the way back and i tried to text somebody and did the same freaking thing and so I just haven't used that feature now. I just don't use that feature now. I just don't text if so, if there's something urgent. I guess they're not getting it I guess I'm not reading it because I'm driving. And that's it. Because like it doesn't work. So, and I and and it could work now. And so maybe maybe that's why I'm impartial as well. Is because I'll actually if it's a non-vital feature, I'll stop using it. Oh, that's broken. That that ends that chapter forever potentially. And I just will stop using it. Like that like that button doesn't work anymore? Okay. Guess that's it then. And, and again, that sounds really cynical, but I think, I think it's like, I think I've been conditioned by the software where I think that people are pushing things out. I, I think my, my, my actual answer is I think people are pushing things out too early. I, and I understand why. So I'm going to act like this. Like, I'm just going to be like, all right, I'm at your mercy. Like we've lost the battle of, of that. Like the updates are going to be fired out rapid succession. Fine. So I, we've lost that battle. Um, in, in like tech culture, that battle has been lost. And so I'm at your mercy now, but I'm just gonna treat it like, oh, this doesn't work, okay, I'm not gonna use it. And I don't know whether that's weird.
1: <laughs> I I don't know. I think that I think that's a that's probably the correct way of thinking about it. Like we have lost the battle, so I think we just need to accept that updates are a thing and they're constantly going to be updated. Like like you said, um you tried to avoid the updates and it caused you more problems because the way that the updates are structured now they kind of compound and you have a potential of uh you know getting completely wiped if you don't do the updates in in the correct order Um, and i think that's i don't know if that's by design or just by lazy programming it's probably lazy programming but i think we kind of just have to sit here and accept the updates and why not enjoy them if you can uh, because yeah, like you get those specials, like those interesting surprises, like, oh, there's a feature added that I'll probably use sometimes. So just wait for stuff like that to happen. Um, that's kind of what I want to end with is just, we don't have really a choice at this point. So I would just accept my update overlords and, you know, just live with it.
0: And, and, and again, that really like even hearing you say that that sounds really cynical but I it mm. isn't I think that I think we've just lost the war <laughs> yeah. like we may have just lost the war at this point and we're just at the point where we're like okay update me and and, and I wanna I want to know like if anyone's if anyone who's listening is a big dev in a big company or something um or or just makes a big app like a popular like they make a popular piece of software is what I'm getting at I I don't even know if you'd be able to answer this. Is it, is it the suits that's making you pump it out quickly? Like, and, and when I say this, I'm thinking of like, like the gaming situation that I said earlier, is it the suits making you pump out, pump it out quickly? Are you not just not testing it? Is it bureaucracy that's for, that's like, that's causing a problem where, you know, certain things aren't being tested due to bureaucracy? Like where, where's the problem? And if you're an indie dev, kind of like us, where, you know, we don't have like a backer, are you... Are you a proponent of just pushing it out and updating it later, or do you want a really solid base and every update has to be super solid? It, I think it's an interesting, like philosophical question, but, and, and actually I'm going to, I'm going to say one last thing actually is, um, so this, this is back to video games, but it's, it's related to this. So I'm a really big fan of fallout. And one of the biggest fallout games that people freak out about the most, like they like it is new Vegas uh fall new vegas and new fall new vegas i bought that game launch day it's a, a follow game as i will do and that game was was buggy as hell uh in the launch and it was so buggy that i remember playing that game and that game had like bran- what what what's called branching quests so if you're a gamer you know what that is but for those of you for those of you who are not it's like you go talk to one of the characters in the game and he'll be like oh like i need help taking out these guys do you want to ambush them do you want to like sneak in there do you want to like try to make a truce with them, like, those, there's branches, like, different ways to do it, and I remember being in that game being like, this game bugs out so frequently, I'm gonna choose the branch that's the that's the safest, the most smooth, and the shortest, because I know that if I do any complex branch, it's just gonna crash, and, and that ruined the game for me, and to this day, I'm like, eh, ah, I don't really like New Vegas, and, like, people, like, love it, and they freak out about it, and when I hear them talk about it, I'm like, wow, there's a lot of, like, you know, decent stuff in that game, but it's been ruined for me because I, I was an early adopter. And I think that that's really... And that that's kind of my point right now. Is that I don't know whether you should be hurting the early adopter. Because the the early adopter is often your biggest fan. You know, something like... To keep it in the same realm. Something like Fallout 4. Like it or hate it. I really like it. um, You know, it it launched well. I played it on PS4. I didn't have many problems at all. And they improved it. They improved the the um the settlement building they improved the uh they had like some of the wiring like used to cost resources and it stopped for costing it because it was too expensive like like and the dlc i really liked a lot of the dlc or most of the dlc so i literally went from i really like this game to like wow this game improved i didn't go from like fuck this and then like the problem is is to get somebody who early adopted it and says fuck this to get them to come back is almost impossible or very difficult, at least in my version of fuck this. Like if I'm at that point, I'm like, you know what? That's it. Like, even if this is good, I don't care. And <laughs> Mike will Mike will, uh, Mike was the witness of, of me doing that to my final school project. Uh, me just saying, fuck this. I'm not doing the same <laughs> I was supposed to show, uh, just a little, little aside. I was supposed to show up in formal wear to a meeting and, uh, do a presentation. I just showed up in a dirty old shirt and some shorts. I didn't care. I, when, I, when I said "fuck this," like I'm out, I can't do this anymore. I don't care. I'm gonna do the bare minimum, and I'm moving on with my life. And that's that's exactly what I did. Whatever. Um, Be aside, but I don't know whether you have anything, any comments about the early adopter thing, Mike. But that's that, that's my opinion. That's 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 actually. I think I'm starting to generate an opinion now. I'm starting to become less neutral. But
1: there we go. That's what this discussion was all about. You generating an opinion. But yeah, that's. <laughs> I think that that's it from from my end.
0: Uh, all right, well, I think we can conclude the episode then. Uh, make, if you have any comments or whatever, uh, feel free, of course, to let us know on any of the socials. Uh, so thanks for listening. Make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing on the platform of your choice. You can follow us on the socials via at HTML, all the Things on Facebook and Instagram. We're, we are on Twitter via at HTML Everything. We're on Medium, we're on GitHub, we're also on htmlalthethings.com. So check that out, and it has it's kind of a hub for everything, so if you don't know where we are, go there, and you can find us everywhere. Uh, also remember, we do have a Patreon, and that's uh, patreon.com slash html all the things. Check out the tiers, give that a go. Feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform you're listening to this on, and we are signing off. <laughs>